You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hell is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. No Dolphins football today, but we are going to welcome in Steve Goldstein of the CBS Miami preseason broadcast call to break down Dolphins and Texans this week from Houston. We'll talk about the game and the practices. Plus, I'll give you my players to watch in the final segment of this episode. From somewhere in Houston, this is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and welcome in my guest today from CBS Miami, Steve Goldstein. What is up, Dolphins? fans? We are here at the Houston Methodist Training Complex in Houston, Texas, with the Dolphins. Day two of joint practices wrapping up here shortly. Game on Saturday, 4 o'clock kickoff, and I am joined by the voice of the Miami Dolphins preseason broadcast, Steve Goldstein. Goldie, how are we doing, man? Doing great. Uh, loving these joint practices. Uh, you know, the competition in training camp has been terrific, and it's actually been pretty fascinating here, Travis, to watch year two of Mike McDaniel, his offense, his program, and training camp. Especially the way he's communicated in press conferences, how that whole process comes together. Before we get to the football, though, I wanted to ask you something, because we had the media dinner the other night, and you know the great Jason Jenkins, it was a, a tradition of his, and Ann certainly did a great job fulfilling uh, the next chapter of that, especially back here in Jason's hometown. But I had not a bone to pick with you, but I wanted to ask you something, because you gave me this great monologue last night on how great the sea bass was at Capitol Grill, and then the waiter comes over and you order the filet. Yeah. Explain yourself. Well, you know, it's a great question. Uh, it was a terrific dinner. Thanks very much to the, you know, the Dolphins and the staff having all the media. It was wonderful. You got stuck with me at your table. I just feel the sea bass is just delicious. I've had it, and most sea bass is delicious. But when you go to a steakhouse, you just have no choice, Travis. You've got to order the steak. So I was very torn. The sea bass is great. I did give you a pretty good dissertation of how good it was, how it melts in your mouth, how it's buttery soft. But in the end, do when in Rome, do as the Romans. So if you're at a steakhouse, yeah, you got to go for the meat. And, you know, tough decision, but that's the one I made. If I could have gotten one of each, <laughs> believe me, I would have. You essentially did what teams do on draft, the, the draft process. You talked up this prospect for two months, and then that's you flipped it. to the last minute and took the other. The Threw other you game. for a loop there on the, on the ordering. <laughs> you absolutely did. Let's get back into some Dolphins preseason action here, though, because we had game one in the books, game two coming up tomorrow night here in Houston. What are some things that you saw in the game on Friday that you were kind of looking for as translating into week two and seeing guys build on that success? Yeah, first thing on offense, the continued um, – play you know you want to see Mike White and Skylar Thompson I expect we'll see them both uh, tomorrow in the preseason game against the Texans so want to see both those guys I thought Mike moved the ball very well obviously 0 for 3 in the red zones 0 for 3 in the red zone there's a lot of reasons for that you know the, the top weapons weren't on the field you don't game plan for red zone in the preseason but um, you know they did move the ball so the quarterbacks to me is always a focus it's a quarterback league um, but getting a little more intricate in, into that, um, that left guard spot, I think is still an interesting battle there. 
you know, Liam Eikenberg and Wynn and Cotton and all those guys in that mix. Um, and, and then the wide receivers as well, you know, the guys behind Waddle and Hill. Uh, Robbie Chosen's made some plays in the preseason, did not play in the first preseason game, made some plays in training camp, I should say. Uh, he just love watching Braxton Barrios. just f- fun to see him out there. And Eric has a comma. You know, Mike McDaniel put him in a pretty good position on those end-arounds to, uh, to make a couple plays. So those types of things on offense. Really enjoyed Devon A-Chain. Not a huge surprise because we know how good he is. Um, but that, that's another carryover. And defensively, just continuing Travis at that cornerback spot with, with Jalen Ramsey out. Cater uh, Kohu uh, didn't play in preseason game number one. Has impressed every. When you impress, I talked to Vic Fangio. When you impress Vic Fangio, who's been in the league for 37 years, uh, you know you're doing something right. So that continued battle there in the in the secondary as well. And, I, and I'm real curious when you ask the question about from game one to game two, Channing Tindall. You know, he, he showed well, made some plays. Um, last year was kind of a development year for, for him. I think when Chris Greer picked him, they kind of knew that. Um, so I want to see how he comes out and plays well. Yeah, I think Marvin Allen mentioned that at his pre-draft press conference that both Ezukama and Channing Tindall were more of two-year projections. And I just think it was really good roster building in the sense if you bring in a, 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 tr- a true and tested veteran in this offense in Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft, and you almost kind of graduate to the next guys that you talk about. Braxton Barrios has experience in this offense, and obviously Eric Ezukama I think looks really, really good out here. So they have options there. Also, I love Barrios rocking the uh, stitch yeah. bandit on his forehead right now and making big plays. He had like a 60-yard touchdown from Skylar Thompson on Wednesday, so kids, he's making all kinds of plays out here. You know, Coach McDaniel on Thursday at his press conference had some interesting words about Tua, and you know, you mentioned the red zone failures in the game on Friday. I thought red zone work in practice was fantastic. They had all kinds of touchdowns touchdowns on the offensive side of the football but I thought it was interesting that he talked a little bit about how you know the two interceptions that Tua threw that kind of bookended what was a really good practice for Tua and the idea of testing limits and and trying to maximize your thought process as far as what you can and cannot get away with and I'm I'm curious to hear how you kind of perceive that and how you think a quarterback like Tua in his fourth year might be able to compartmentalize that and actually you know take what he does out here negative and good and put it into more positive on Sunday because obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year if he can take that and go to their level this team can really start flying. Yeah, I think it's great, great point, and it's a great topic. And this is why when we see the results in practice, you know, literally the play-by-play, you don't really know watching what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to look at and say, oh, this didn't work. Yeah, but what were you trying to do? Were you trying to see if this works? And then if it doesn't, okay, let's scratch that. Let's put that on the back burner. So I think there's a lot of that that goes on in practice. So we can't always play the result of the play during these practices. Um, You know, look, you always want to have some things you can work on. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, from Mike McDaniel and Frank Smith, you kind of never want it to be perfect in in preseason and in training camp because then where do you go from there? Um, But, yeah, year two, I just think it's a big difference. This Mike McDaniel offense, it's like a whole new language, literally learning that. And I remember talking to Coach McDaniel last year before the preseason games as those games went on, game one, game two, game three, and as training camp went on, I think Teddy Bridgewater was a big help in this as well as being a veteran guy. They were starting to get that language down second nature. And now we know it's second nature to Tua. So now he can take it to the next level. And uh, I just think the sky's the limit on this offense. I'm guessing that, you know, Mike McDaniel's putting some more things in in year number two, and that's why there are so many details and there's so much to learn. But Hey, that's the only way you can uh, you continue to get better. I, I just think offensively, overall, led by Tua, the talent is tremendous at the skill positions, 
And um, I, I think Mike McDaniel's kind of, you know, maybe a bad analogy, but a mad scientist in a lab, <laughs> you know, and now you got A-Chain, and now you got Chosen, and now you got Barrios. There's a few more things that he can kind of cook up there and make some. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I'm fired up to watch him have a chance to actually scheme up a game because it's just never quite the same with him when you're just running plays to run plays and practice and, and try to make individual progress. So as a team, moving the football, a lot of that comes from schema. I think we saw some of that in the first preseason game. A lot of the things I talked about last year was manufactured pockets, finding ways to get quarterbacks on the move, sliding your protection. You know, obviously, Teron Arms has a big part of that with his ability to lock down all the best pass rushers in the NFL. You can slide everybody else and, and find clean pockets that way. But the red zone area last week was, was the big concern, right? It's a 19-3 final score because you're 0-3 in the red zone, whereas if they punch those in, they probably win the game going away mm-hmm. and at least put it away pretty early on. But we saw the, the running game get going until they got down in the red zone. Curious to get your thoughts on, on the Dolphins' running game here so far because, you know, it's, it's tough to gauge in training camp, but I don't what's the what's the stat on this? Like, since 2016 or something, they had the most rushing yards and a half in that game in a preseason game. I'm curious your take on the running game so far and how you think, you know, that second year, new language, all that stuff can expand this year and become even better. Because if the running game gets going, we saw the passing game last year. If the running game can get, you know, 10 places higher in league rank, I don't know how you stop this offense. I think still incomplete because we're not really seeing Raheem and, and Jeff Wilson out there together. And Mike McDaniels even made the comment. He's very cognizant of when we're allowed to watch practice, yeah. when we're not allowed to watch practice, what he's showing um, so I think that I just think Travis, there's probably a lot more tricks in that book that Mike McDaniel isn't busting out. You know, it was very interesting to me last year out of those exit meetings that Mike McDaniel actually pseudo, not literally, but apologized to Raheem Mostert yeah. for saying we didn't run the ball enough. Um, now, defending Mike McDaniel. If I've got two with Jalen and Tyreek, <laughs> you know, hey, well, I call the running play. Why would you? Let's throw it deep, man. These guys are the best in football probably, you know, as a trio. Is there anybody better? Um, I'm real optimistic for this running game in year number two. Teron Armstead made the comment just how many details there are in that. And now in year number two and the first of the joint practices here in Houston on Wednesday that he felt comfortable, maybe for one of the first times in training camp, like everything was clicking. So... You know, once they get Tehran out there and they get that left guard spot settled, I really think the sky's the limit for this thing in year number two and interchanging Mostert, Wilson. And the other real intriguing thing is how's he going to use Devon H8? I don't think anybody knows yet. I'm not sure he completely knows yet. Um, he was split out quite a bit in the game against Atlanta, the first preseason game, but they also put him between the tackles a little bit. I mean, he made one of those catches down near the goal line. He got walloped on it. So I'm really curious... I don't think we're going to see it all, is my point, Travis, the next couple weeks. I'm curious September 10th in uh, in L.A. to see what that running game looks like. Yeah, that A-chain flex style throw where they just basically threw a now route to him, stand up, throw the ball to him, and he had space on the sideline, and he beat everybody to the corner. 
I don't know how you defend that when you have A-chain speed on one side and Tyreek and Joe on the other side. Like, there is stress and speed at every single level of defense when you offer that. And, you know, you talk about Mike McDaniel's offense, and he's, he's alluded to it about, you know, what do you show out here in a practice compared to when it's closed and, you know, no media, no fans out there. And, you know, he, he alluded to the fact that your offense – People will know your offense, but you're not going to be a good offense unless you have counters to what they are able to do. And so I am, I'm so fascinated to see, number one, what year two does to get him into the back pages of that, that playbook, but also how they counter some of the things the teams were able to do successfully against them as a defense last year. That Chargers game comes to mind, that inside leverage press two-man coverage they ran. I, I just I know that Mike that had to eat at him all offseason to, to come in here and, and formulate a game plan to, to excel against a look like that. But um, So I'm curious to see how that works. But I want to flip it over to the other side of the football here in the defense because, you know, from my vantage point, I continue to see, you know, last year was a year of deep balls, all training camp, right? We saw Tyreek getting deep, Jalen getting deep, uh, you know, Trent Sherfield getting down the field. All the guys were getting their deep targets, and it hasn't really happened that way this year. We've gotten a few of them, but I credit that personally. I saw, you know, Texans struggled in their deep passing game on Wednesday. I attribute that to the secondary just kind of having an understanding of their rules, of their coverages, and, and not really, you know, busting down with, with the, the concept of every coverage call. You mentioned talking to Vic Fangio. I love, like you mentioned, if he loves a player, he'll tell you. If he thinks a player needs some work, he'll tell you that too. <laughs> right. But I, from my perspective, I see this defense coming together and, and kind of hitting those rules early here in year one with Vic Fangio. Well, first, it flashes me back last year, Travis. Jason Taylor was on the preseason broadcast with me, and I think one day the two were through a few interceptions, and Jason just kind of says, uh, you know, I got a question. Why is it always a bad day when the quarterback throws some interception? You know, the defense is out there too I trying to play. Too, right? Yeah, exactly. So we always think about that. Um, you know, Fangio is putting in this defense pretty complex. I think he's got more weapons this year. You've you've seen, you know, when Christian Wilkins has practiced, he's been dominant during this training camp. Um, and I just think overall there, there, there's, there's more depth probably on the defense. Now, he's still looking for guys. I mean, he's made that uh, very clear. But, you know, the defense does seem to be, you know, digging in, kind of understanding, you know, and the impact players understand the defense. Now you got Bradley Chubb in a training camp here for the first time. He was a midseason pickup. He and Jay, Jalen Phillips on either side. So I agree that there's no official way to know during these practices, but that D-line many days, and it goes back and forth. There's days the offense obviously produces well, but there's been quite a few days that's been noticeable where the D-line gets that push, and, you know, if you want to count sacks, there's eight or there's ten of them in a day, and <laughs> that may be part of the reason, yeah. Yeah, Bradley Chubb, I... From what I saw on game tape last year to practice this year, it looks like this is maybe more of a fit for him defensively. I just think he's making all kinds of plays out there. And you mentioned Jalen Phillips. Did you have a chance to see what Lewis Riddick said about Jalen Phillips, the ESPN yeah. analyst? He was yeah. talking about how this guy can play strong safety if he had to. He basically <laughs> alluded to the fact that he's one of the best athletes in the entire league, and we've seen that all camp long. And McDaniel on Thursday morning had a chance to, to talk about Jalen because he was asked by a reporter about what he's done in camp so far. And you could just kind of see McDaniel like, yeah, he's kind of got the good. So I think those two guys are going to have a massive impact in this defense and just really take it to the next level. Uh, we've got a few minutes left here on the show here. Goldie, I want to just go ahead and get your take on the, the game on, on Saturday night. Um, we kind of joked about this uh, before McDaniel's presser on Thursday. I think I, I gave you some, some fun about the cheetah call last year. Oh, yeah. Have you got any calls <laughs> saved up in the chamber? You're ready to break out? Or is it kind of a spur of the moment thing? It is usually spur of the moment. You know, that play last year, you know, was home game and all of a sudden, I'm seeing Tyreek going down the middle of the field, and he had two steps, and I see two is about to load, and I'm like, oh, boy, this, like is, fan, what, right? this is what everybody's <laughs> been waiting for, you know? So, no, I don't have anything specific. Um, we'll see who ends up playing in the game. But, uh, hey, anytime Tyreek makes a play, I mean, and he's looked 
you know, dominant out here, going up against other competition. He raises his level. But, um, no, it's going to have to be spur of the moment, Travis. And I never know what pops into this wild brain of mine. And when it pops into my brain, how it gets to my mouth and get, gets out on the microphone, that's a big TBD for me, to be honest with you. I think it makes it, living in the moment is the best way to do it. I mean, we talked about calls at the dinner the other night, you know, about how Joe Buck was so good about the Stefan Dix miracle Minneapolis call. I'm telling you, man, the cheetah is loose in South Florida. You set a high bar. I don't know if you can top that, man. That's that's pretty good. You know, I appreciate that very much. And hey, when you got great great players and exciting stuff, it really makes the, the job a lot more fun for sure. Yeah, top six offense last year. Hope we get more of that this season. Goldie, pregame show, CBS broadcast. Tell the folks where else they can find you. I know you're all over the place out here in South Florida. Yeah, we got um, radio pregame show. Your good buddy and mine, OJ McDuffie, is with me. Uh, that's all over iHeartRadio. Um, and then Saturday, CBS Miami and affiliates and then next Saturday against Jacksonville and we'll keep on going with the radio pregame show two hours before kickoff with uh, with Juice all season long so I'm really looking forward to it it's real, I, that's my closer but I want to come back to something because it's funny you mentioned OJ earlier you mentioned something about you know the offense and defense not really you know being privy to like a scheme and a practice you're not really trying to game plan things and so there's certain things that maybe defense will, will know is coming you know Christian Harris that the Texans linebacker talked about taking his game tape last year where Tua looked off, you know, the defense and mm-hmm. moved people, and I'm going to trust my drop and get in this spot. Every single time I talk to OJ about that, about a defense that maybe knew something was coming, he goes to the cheating MFers. He always talks about defense is cheating. They know the drill. <laughs> they're jumping plays. They're, they're all over the place. So you have yourself a, an absolute stud and a, a co-host on the pregame show. Uh, tell us about how, how excited you are to work with OJ this Yeah, this first of all, OJ is a great guy. Anybody in South Florida that's been around since the 90s, you know, not only a great player for the Dolphins, but really a great guy and uh, making his transition from former player into media. Um, I love him. You know, he's smooth on the air, dedicated guy, so knowledgeable. But, yes, much like the story from last year with Jason Taylor about the defense, OJ is going to always defend the offense. Doing what we do, we always know that going in. So, you know, just let those guys go. Let them, let them say what they got to say, Travis. I was going to say, they would make a great show just going back and forth with two of those guys. I think OJ, last year we gave out, you know, well, however many wins we had, nine wins, gave out nine game balls last year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure nine of those were to wide receivers. Oh, so I'm sure 100%. Tyreek Waddle, Tyreek Waddle, Tyreek <laughs> Waddle. I was like, I'm going to surprise you guys when I'm going to the wide out. That's his go-to move every time. So, OJ's the best. Goldie, appreciate your time today, man. Always. You're the best too, Travis. Thanks, oh, man. Too kind. On my own show. Thank you, Steve. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side. I'll give you my list of players I'm looking for tomorrow night in Houston. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. A big thank you again to the great Steve Goldstein. You can hear him on the call tomorrow night on CBS 4 in Miami, or CBS Miami Channel 4, I should say. But let's go ahead now and talk about some players that I'm looking forward to getting a chance to take a look at in this upcoming game and kind of go by position here, I suppose. And it starts at the quarterback position. And number one, I just want to see all of these guys go up against D'Amico Ryan's defense in a game setting. Now, you're not going to have a scheme from D'Amico, so that's not exactly the same idea of what I, I guess I'm getting at there. But essentially, I'm excited to see them go up against him for the rules they adhere to. And they, they play fast. They play hard. I think they're going to probably tackle pretty well. I just want to see these quarterbacks get a chance to go up against a defense. It's coached as well as I expect this one to be with D'Amico Ryan's being there in town for the Houston Texans. And if Jalen Petrie plays, obviously you guys heard about him on the pick six at practice a couple days back. I'm really curious to see how the quarterbacks kind of operate off of him because he is, he's a, I don't want to say gambler, 
He will take his chances, and he did on that pick he got, and it turned into a massive play for him. But I, I want to see how they can potentially work to move him if he is in the game and displace him and, and use their eyes to get him out of positions where he can impact the passing game because he is really, really good at that. He actually got a pick on Tua last year in the game. Now, it, it, wasn't, it didn't stand up because the cornerback interfered with, I believe, Tyreek Hill on the play. But you, from that game, from any game you watched with the Houston Texans last year, Petrie can flat out play, and I'm excited to watch these quarterbacks get a chance to work against him. Of course, if Tua plays, very excited to get a chance to see him play in a game. Uh, it's been since Christmas that we had a chance to see that, so seeing him come back in and just find a rhythm and, and get the offense going down the field a little bit and, and push the ball you know, into the red zone, hopefully execute in the red zone, which is another area I'm excited to watch this team try to go out there and improve upon last week's performance as far as the offense goes. 0 for 3 in that red zone, obviously. Finding a way to manufacture touchdowns opposed to settling for field goals or, in last week's case, fourth down failures. Uh, excited to watch Mike White and Skylar Thompson compete again for you know for that backup quarterback job. And you know we'll see who plays first, who plays second. We heard Coach McDaniel last week say there's a good possibility they will flip those two guys. I continue to think that Mike White's had a really good training camp so far and progressively gotten better as he's gone along, which I think you can expect from a quarterback in his first year in a new system or a relatively new system for him. I'm excited to see him try to execute those red zone throws because he did a great job of getting the Dolphins offense up and down the field. And then finally in the red zone, not quite put the finishing touches on those drives. And then Skylar Thompson gets some more time to throw back there. Obviously he was under heavy duress and just play with, you know, timing and rhythm that we didn't really see last week when he was on the field for the offense in general. At the running back position, I think we all agree here. I, I can't wait to see Devon A-Chain get more of a workload. We saw him use in a variety of roles last week. The flex out, you know, passing game, catching swings, running the ball between the tackles, getting red zone work, have a chance to watch him open up the speed that he, he's displayed and just want to see how they utilize him and just see him take another uh, week of a workload and just continue to get better. He's been really good in camp, really good in the game last week. Want to see what game number two brings for Devon A-Chain. And Chris Brooks, too. I thought Chris Brooks ran really hard, and it's so hard in these practices to get engaged in the running backs. So the games are so really telling as far as how they run the ball and how physical they are. And I thought both guys showed out well in that regard last week. Can't wait to watch them play in the game tomorrow night at receiver. Kind of that log jam behind Tyreek and Waddle, right? I'm curious to see Braxton Berrios, who's been so dang good. I thought he was really good in the preseason game. He had a fantastic week out here. Got vertical twice for long balls from Skyler and from Tua. Just really looking forward to seeing how he continues to build and progress his role in the offense. Eric Azukama coming off yet another really good preseason game for him. How does he contribute in this way? Is he going to get more handoffs? Is he going to be part of the passing game? Watching him block, man. His his work in the run game as a blocker, not just a ball carrier, but as a blocker. Watching him go out there and put some guys on their back. I want to see some more of that from Azukama. Chosen, obviously, as kind of, you know, didn't play in the game last week, but has come on the last couple of weeks here in camp and see his role expand and potentially get some look in the preseason and then Cedric Wilson too. And just in general for the Texans here, excited to watch guys go up against Derek Stingley, who I think is going to be a fantastic player in this league, a second year cornerback who had his ups and downs as a rookie, but I think that we've seen a practice out here, uh, joint practices. He's been pretty dang good. Uh, the offensive line, the, the same names we kind of talked about last week. Isaiah Wynn, I thought was fantastic at left guard in that game. Seeing him, you know, work into that role and get some more push in the running game if he can continue to do that. 
I think he's going to really, you know, put his best foot forward for potentially getting a starting spot if he can continue to do that because of, you know, just how dominant he was in that game and how dominant the running attack was. And the same goes with Rob Jones, who I just think has been really good the last week plus here uh, in this practices against the Houston Texans in the game against the Atlanta Falcons. How does he follow up that really good showing last week in the second one here? And after the Texans defensive line, you know, the one-on-one drills went in their favor, but I thought Miami, when they had actual full 11-on-11, did pretty well against the Texans, except for when they blitzed and overloaded the pass rush, which, you know, that, that's going to happen. But Tua and the quarterbacks find ways to, you know, replace the football, replace the blitzing, the vacancy left by the blitzer with the football. So how those guys react, you know, obviously the Tron Armstead injury, again, we'll find out more about that in the coming days. But, you know, Kendall Lamb, Cedric Abwehi, those two guys that have Lots of experience off the edge blocking. I'm curious to see how both those guys look, especially Lamb, who's been really good in camp, have not had a chance to watch him yet in preseason. And I go back to the 32 snaps he played against the Patriots last year. He was really good in that game before he got injured as well. So him and Abwehi, and then, of course, Lester Cotton as well, who had a pretty good game in in the preseason game last week against the Falcons. At tight end, Elijah Higgins, my guy. I want to see how he progresses in the second game. Can he get more work in the blocking game? I thought he had some good blocks in space, obviously contributes in the passing game as well. I want to see him open it up. I want to see him catch a you know a short ball and open up the speed and just see how fast he is. On the other side of the football, on the defensive line, Jalen Twyman, I kind of, you know, Christian, obviously we know what we have there, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis. I want to see the next guys. I want to see Jalen Twyman go up against a young Texans interior offensive line, a guy like Kendrick Green, a first round draft pick last year who had his struggles as a rookie. I want to see that battle, him and some of the younger guys here on our defensive line. Deshaun Hand, not younger, but you know, a guy that is new to the club. I want to see how he progresses in a second week here with Miami after a very good first week. Just that entire rotation in general, you know, Josiah Bronson, the the, uh, the depth in that room and how they handle a, a young Texans interior offensive line. At linebacker, more Gink, man. More Andrew Van Ginkle. Edge or off ball, I don't really care. I just want to see him play some football. He was so good, really all camp. He's been good, uh, you know, in his career so far. Didn't play last week. Do we get a chance to see him in the game? And is it some of that off ball is off the edge? We'll find out. But I'm really curious to watch him and how he attacks, especially if it's, you know, kind of depth in that interior linebacker position where it's new to him. And if he plays in that role, if he can, you know, push a Duke Riley or a Channing Tindall for playing time there, I think that that competition only serves to make the Dolphins better. So I'm curious to see how that sorts itself out. And I put, you know, Ogbon here. He's more of an edge, you know, defensive end, obviously. But his second game got some snaps last week against the Falcons and was absolutely dominant in that game against um, oh, Jalen Mayfield. I forgot the guy's name for a second there. The uh, second year player from Michigan. He was really dominant against Jalen Mayfield. Curious to see how he looks in his second game back off the triceps injury from a year ago. And then the linebackers I mentioned, Duke Riley, Channing Tindall. I thought you know, Duke didn't play, obviously, but Channing was so good in that preseason game. Is he playing faster? Is he still getting those fits, you know, the run fits fitted, as it were, and just seeing things, you know, diagnosed in front of him and, and go make plays. I want to see more of that from him and just continue that progression. And then finally, in the defensive backfield, a name you didn't hear this week, at least from me, was Noah Igbenogany, which is always a good thing for a cornerback. I just didn't see him get tested a whole bunch. I'm really curious to see how he competes after, you know, a really good training camp so far. And then Elijah Campbell, uh, Elijah Campbell fan club right here. We guys know that by now, how he performs, you know, where he performs on the, on the field on defense, very versatile player, how he contributes on special teams as well. I'm very excited about his potential in his game. And then Deshaun Elliott played a lot last week. I'm curious to see if he gets that same workload and the role that he fulfills in that defensive backfield. So fun game coming up. Uh, we'll see who plays, who doesn't play. Either way, we're going to have the post game show for you guys from the iHeart Studios, our first 
first time in studio. Very, very excited about that. Me, Seth, and OJ. Right after the game hits triple zeros, we are on the air for two hours. I'll have the podcast for you guys early Sunday morning. I'm sorry, I'm trying to track my days here. They kind of run together at this point, but you'll have plenty of content coming your way. And then right back to Miami Gardens after that for some more practices. And uh, finally, the third preseason game next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that is a ways away from right now. So enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the content from the week. Enjoy the game tomorrow night and all of our post-game coverage. Until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.